Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the Voice Over Roadmap podcast. Today is a special episode because we have a guest co-host, J. Michael Collins. J. Michael is a voiceover talent with over 20 years experience as a professional voiceover actor. He has worked with some of the biggest companies, brands, sports leagues, organizations on the planet. And in addition to his work in the classic agency-based world of voiceover, J. Michael has also established himself as a leading authority and top-earning talent on online marketplace sites and P2P sites, and uh, he's also become recognized as an industry-leading coach and demo producer as well. He was the winner of the 2016 Voice Arts Awards for Outstanding Radio Commercial, Outstanding Political Announcement, and was also the producer of 2016's Outstanding Narration Demo Reel. Uh, we had a really great episode. J. Michael provided a lot of really great information uh, in this episode about online casting and a lot of other things uh, related to VO. So I think there is a uh, ton of value in this episode. As with every episode, we answered three questions, a performance question, an audio question, and a business question. Uh, for our performance question, we talked a little bit about script preparation. For our audio question, we were discussing delivering raw audio versus doing some sort of post-production beforehand. And uh, for a business question, we talked a little bit about marketing and developing a system for your marketing efforts as a voiceover talent. And if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode of the show, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. So feel free to go over there and submit as many questions as you'd like, and uh, they might be selected for a future episode. Also, you can check out the show notes for today's episode at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 002. And that's where you will find links to everything that we go over in the episode and just more information. And if you like the show and you uh, get some good information and value out of it, I would love it if you could subscribe and review the show on iTunes. Uh, that goes a long way in getting the show out there and making sure more people can find it and hear it. So here is episode two with J. Michael Collins. Hey, J. Michael, how's it going? Well, it's going, man. I'm happy to be here and uh, happy to uh, be talking to all of your guests on your podcast. Uh, it's a pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. So before we get into our audience questions for uh, this episode, I just kind of wanted to speak with you a little bit about your VO history. I'm sure some people in the audience are already familiar with you, but uh, for those who aren't, I'd like to just, you know, sort of introduce you a bit and talk about your history and your background in voiceover. So to start, uh, can you just speak a little bit about your very beginnings and how you first got into voiceover? Well, I'm probably one of the rare people that you're going to meet in this business who's actually never done anything else. This is <laughs> this has <laughs> been uh, my career since uh, since basically I was a teenager. Um, I started in radio when I was 15 years old, uh, just by by chance. Um, I kind of inherited a radio show uh, from a person who had retired after the station was sold, and there was a year long period of waiting for the sale to go through, even though it had already been confirmed. So they left, and I got to do that. It was actually uh, local business news talk and mm -hmm. uh, it mostly just reading copy off the Bloomberg Wire. But I started doing VO for some of the station sponsors. And that job lasted for about a year. This was, I was doing this after school drive time, five to seven, would go in with my briefcase and everybody looked at me like, what is this kid doing here? Uh, <laughs> but, um, but started doing VO. I mean, they weren't paying me a lot to do the, the radio stuff. So I started doing a little VO for the sponsors. Got paid a little bit to do that back then. And 
and then uh, when that job was was done, I was able to get a sports talk show with Sporting News Radio affiliate, and uh, again started doing the same thing. Vo for station sponsors was getting hired by some of the people who had done Vo with my former station, uh, mm-hmm. and got my first agent. Um, and before I knew it, I you know I was getting out of college, and you know the choice was go to law school and spend a whole bunch of money and possibly get into debt, um, or all of a sudden I'm you know I'm 21 years old or whatever it was, and I'm making, yeah, I wasn't making a fortune, but I was making a, a small legitimate living, living doing VO. Right. And it's, you know, so my family thought I was nuts, but uh, I said, yeah, I'm going <laughs> to see if this works. And uh, lo and behold, it, it turned into a career. Um, and it really got firing. You know, I went about 10 years where it was uh, just building and, you know, a lot of uh, all agency work. I was, right. you know, but that back then we were called in to do auditions, um, you know, either in studios or in casting director's offices uh, or in the agency office, whatever it may be. Uh, and just, you know, you book the work that you book through your agents. Um, and then with the advent of, uh, of do-it-yourself voiceover at home, online casting, agency work going to, uh, to being much less location specific, the business just started to grow. And uh, after about 10 years, it went from being, um, you know, a comfortable, reasonable middle-class living to, to something more. And it's, it's been a heck of a ride. So, um, I'm I'm blessed and lucky to be here and, uh, and to get to do this every day. It sure beats digging ditches. (laughs) Yeah. Do you, so early on, it was pretty much all agency based. That's how you were getting work. And then, you know, as the industry changed. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I joke with my wife that, you know, back before she met me, it was really, uh, I played a lot of golf. Uh-huh. Um, and, <laughs> would, and would and would go in when summoned, and uh, sure, yeah, yeah. and you know, I mean, it, 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 I I I was in the D.C. area most of that time and wasn't making a fortune because I wasn't in New York, wasn't in L.A., but there was enough work to make a, a decent living out of it. Right. Um, but no, I mean, I, I worked. <laughs> I mean, there were weeks I'd work five or ten hours, and uh, and then just be on the golf course a lot. It was not bad, but again, it wasn't as fulfilling as what I do now, which is um, really just every single day much more full-time right right so are there any uh specific highlights that stand out to you from you know the course of your entire vo career be it a specific job that you were really you know excited about booking or just some sort of milestone achievement that you hit is there anything that sort of jumps you know to the front of your mind it's my least favorite question in the world because if anybody knows with with uh, with working talent these days, if you're doing a lot of stuff, it's like, what did I do yesterday? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Um, uh, no, I mean, it's some of the things I think of, uh, you know, in terms of jobs. Um, yeah, again, going back in time as the memory gets fuzzy. More recently, um, was the voice for Eric Clapton's newest album. Um, oh, that's cool. Which that's was really pretty cool. cool. All the national TV and radio on that. Um, you know, I, I did the dictionary back in 2011, the American Heritage Dictionary for wow. uh, online and e-learning use, uh, which was 220,000 words, just the word entries. Thank God, not all of the definitions, or that would have taken the better part of uh, of six months. But yeah, man, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. I, I think huge. for me, kind of the way that I've tracked my career. Um, you know, has been kind of looking at at uh, at income milestones a little bit, and I'm not going to go into specific numbers, but I I remember the first time I broke six figures, which was mm-hmm. you know eight or nine years in, into my career, and uh, that was pretty cool. That that validated my choices, made me feel like I'd made the right decision, and um, it gave me the drive. I think you know to to 
not, not be on the golf course as much and to take matters into my own hands because all of a sudden it's like, okay, this isn't just a basic living. I can actually make something really interesting out of this and, yeah. uh, and treat it more like a business. And, and, you know, so that was an interesting moment. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been an incredible ride. Um, and I, you know, I did something for Audi today and it's just every time, you know, it wasn't a huge job, corporate narration gig. Um, but it's just cool every time I get to do something for a client that's a brand that I recognize or, mm-hmm. you know, Audi's actually the car that we have here. Uh, and that's uh, like, yeah, I, I, not only am I a, a, a spokesman now, I'm, I'm also a, a client. That's the old Ron Popeil thing, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, so, um, yeah, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's fun. It's a career. Don't get me wrong. It's hard work. I think we all know that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But it is, um, it's a fun ride, especially when it starts to, to move for you. Yeah. And it's cool. It's cool to see some of these, you know, these scripts and the copy of a commercial that's upcoming and stuff beforehand, especially like you said, if it's something, a brand that you really like and that you're into, it's, it's just fun to see that. I do a lot of like techie stuff, I guess, you know, having a younger voice, I get a lot of like, uh, upcoming apps and things like that. So sometimes it's cool just to hear about these new products before they're coming out. So mm-hmm. it's, it's fun just to read the scripts, let alone, you know, perform it and do the voiceover. Well, and it's the creative side of it too, which is, you know, seeing the ideas that, uh, you know, some of the writers have and some of the, the, the creatives have on the production side. Yeah. And then being able to bring them to life with your voice. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big animation and character guy and, uh, and the thrill that they get when, when, you know, Bob Bergen does Porky Pig or something like that that's that's an, an incredible thing but i think mm-hmm. for those of us who do commercials who do promo work who do a lot of narration work um it's 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 the same feeling when we see a script that's really really funny uh you know and then when we book that script especially if we've nailed the read and it's something that we're going to see on tv and here on the radio and uh and you know that you're actually bringing joy to people with with something that otherwise would be boring retail nonsense uh, it's it's <laughs> it's a it's a cool feeling to bring something like that to life and, and to give it form. Yeah, no, definitely. So I have a, a couple of my uh, own questions for you before we get into the audience questions. So I know that you are an authority on online casting and we've already talked a little bit about it, but um, in today's current landscape of online casting, there's tons of talent on these sites, uh, you know, in all experience levels, there's amateur talent to very, very experienced talent and everything in between. So do you have any sort of go-to tips or anything that you think, you know, talent who are on these sites can do to sort of stand out from the pack, be it something, you know, for their profiles or in the way that they actually utilize the sites. Well, we're, you know, of course, it's a timely conversation because we're in a, in a period of incredible flux in the yeah. online casting side of the business with uh, voices having acquired voice bank recently and then kind of the uproar that that's created within the talent community. So, um, you know, I think f- first and foremost, and I'm not, I'm not going to deep dive on that here. You guys have read my articles yeah, yeah. and seen that's, my comments yeah. on that, but, um, you know, it's up to you to choose where you work. Uh, and I think that's a decision everybody has to make on their own and, and for their own reasons. Um, in terms of how to use these sites successfully, whichever ones that you may be on, um, the, the first is the old adage, which is uh, be amazing. First and foremost, um, yep. the people who book on these sites, there are some secrets, and I'll talk about a couple of them, but um, at the end of the day, it's talent. Uh, the people who you see booking every single day online are the same people who you see booking every single day through their agents and then through, you know, out there hustling with production companies and ad agencies and building their own leads. Um, it's because they have had the coaching, they've had the training, they've got the natural ability, and, and that shouldn't be discounted either. Um, to 
to to to give the reads that are going to book and to do it consistently. Um, I think one of the things that uh, gets lost sometimes is all of this business is a numbers game. Um, you know, whether you're booking through agencies or doing your own cold calling and marketing or you're working mm-hmm. on online casting sites, it's all a question of what your booking ratio or success ratio in terms of, of gaining hot leads is to the time and then the auditions that you put in. Uh, and if you're going to have a ratio that is going to be effective, you need to be performing at a, at a consistently high level. Uh, we do we all lay the occasional leg. I'm sure I do. Okay, but but I do know that when I get in front of my microphone, um, I always tell my my students, you know, be confident uh, or, or be humble with your with your clients. Be you know uh, polite with your clients. Be customer service oriented with your clients. But when you're in front of your mic, I want you to be an arrogant sob. I want you to believe that you are the greatest thing since Don LaFontaine or Randy Thomas or anybody else out there who you admire. Um, because you, and I hate to use golf analogies, which everybody doesn't relate to, but I'm a golfer. And when I stand there at the tee box and, uh, and I'm thinking about that shot, if I think too long or I hesitate, I'm going to kill a duck. And yeah, uh, and I've I've, yeah. I've seen that happen. It's it's horrible. But uh, no, that's a good analogy. I get that analogy. <laughs> the feather feathers are going to fly. Um, yeah, yeah. But if I believe that I'm going to hit it right down the middle, 300 yards, I usually do. And this is the same thing. You've got to have the training. You've got to have the skill set. But you've also got to believe that you can deliver the read. Because yeah. if you're only hitting half the time, your booking ratio is going to be far less than it would be if you were connecting nine times out of ten. So. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you have the goods first and foremost. But in terms of, you know, what are some of the the secrets? Uh, audition quantity for online casting is very important. It is a numbers game. Um, the good news is that, uh, you know, I cast off of these sites sometimes. And I can tell you that 40% of the people who audition on online casting sites disqualify themselves immediately for technical reasons. Either the yep. acoustics are poor, uh, the audio is bad, there's a dog in the bar- background, whatever it may be. Um, you know, you, you can sound like like Joseph Briano or Tara Strong. It doesn't matter if you can't give me quality audio. I'm done within five seconds of pressing play. Um, so that's forty percent out the door. Another forty percent disqualify themselves immediately because they stink and they shouldn't be doing this. And you know maybe their mama told them they had a good voice, but but it's an amateur plugging in a, a blue yeti and hoping for the best. Um, yeah, so yeah. if you're if you're not in that group of people who don't have your technical ducks in a row or don't have your training and skill set in a row, if you are somebody who has taken the time to do it the right way and to present a marketable product. The good news is that when people tell you that the market is oversaturated with talent, generally speaking, they're wrong. Now, if you're in LA or New York and you're competing with the agency side of the business and, and you're you're trying to get into that game, um, they're right. Okay, there There is uh, more quality talent in those markets than there are agency spots uh, to, to be filled. And the competition out there is incredible. But if you're in the great middle of the country, country doing non-union work, um, you know, or even if you're going after non-union work that you're converting to union work, uh, but using online sites or, or again, your own devices to uh, to find your clients, um, there is more work out there than there is quality talent to do it. There are hundreds of thousands of people probably calling themselves voice talent, but there are only maybe five to 10,000 people in North America who can do this job on a professional level and who are making a full-time living doing it. If you're yeah, one- that's a good point. Yeah, so I mean, if you're one of those people, the good news is if you're working online, 
you're not really competing against 100 people for each job. You're mm -hmm. only competing against 15 or 20 serious professionals for each job. That's the good news, but it's also the bad news because you're competing against 15 or 20 serious professionals, often including right. myself for and, and Michael, right? And you too. For the jobs that are on those sites. So yep. you, you got to bring your A game. Um, uh, and I, I know I run at the mouth here, but uh, I'll, I'll give you one more analogy and I call it the Cheesecake Factory analogy. And uh, for be it for a fat guy like me to make a food analogy, but uh, one of one of the things that I think of, have you ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? Michael, have you ever been to the Cheesecake Factory? Once a long time ago. It's if been you, a long if time. You, if you remember your trip, they have like 4,365 things on the menu. Okay. Okay. And so if, uh, if you are a T-bone steak and you are a grass-fed, beer-fed Kobe T-bone, you're as good a steak as you possibly can be. That's great. But 93% of the people coming into the restaurant don't want steak. It doesn't matter how good you are. They don't want steak. That's the nature of our business. I say this not to brag, but I book about five or six jobs a day. And for me at this point between repeat business and new clients that I bring in, it's not hard to bring those jobs in the door anymore. But 93% of the people who hear me say, nah, that's not what I'm looking for. That's the nature mm -hmm. of our business. So yeah, yeah. What, what that means is you've got to be on as many menus as possible so that when somebody walks in the door hankering for a steak, you're front and center with a quality audition and you're a viable candidate. So right. you've got, you got to get volume is important. If you're not doing at least 20 auditions a day on online casting sites, or maybe a better way to put this is if you're not bringing in at least 20 leads per day, whether it's online casting auditions that you're doing, agency auditions that you're doing, or firm contacts that you're making with production companies uh, and ad agencies. Um, it's very hard to build a business in voiceover that's going to be a sustainable income. Um, you've got to put in the legwork. And, uh, you know, some of the people who book massive volumes of, of work online, if you look at uh, Joe Zija, if you look at David Kaplan, if you look at uh, Amy Weiss or Brad Ziffer, um, you know, these are people who are doing 30, 40, 50, 70 auditions. I've seen David Kaplan get up from lunch at Del Frisco's in New York and go to the bathroom to do a, an audition on his phone <laughs> wow. because he just can't help himself. I love David wow. to death, but he's an animal. I mean, the guy works like a, an animal, but there's yeah. a reason he books seven or eight jobs a day off of these sites. Exactly. It's, be yep. it's because he puts the legwork in. So you got to do the legwork, um, have good demos, uh, make sure that you present well, um, and understand the mechanics of the site. Study as much as you possibly can. But volume mm -hmm. and quality, those two things um, will define whether or not you're successful online. Yeah. No, and I totally agree. I've always thought of it as a numbers game too. Um, in general, you know, when it comes to just auditioning and marketing yourself, but especially on online casting sites. Um, I've heard varying opinions uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of how much time and how much effort you should put into each audition. Obviously, you don't want to rush through it and sacrifice quality in, you know, an effort just to do 20, 30, 40 auditions a day. But I think you could go too far in the other direction if you're spending, you know, an hour to do an audition. And if that's the case, I think, you know, some of that time probably could have been spent better doing other things. Well, th I mean, think think of it also about in terms of what, what the audition is, okay? If you have an audition from one of your agents for a major national campaign, um, by all means, take 30 minutes and 40 minutes and make sure it's flawless, okay? If you find something online that's going to be ongoing recurring work and could be thousands and, and thousands of dollars, um, again, by all means, if you want to take 15, 20 minutes. Now, remember, getting in early, especially online, um, is helpful. But but if you want to take 15, 20 minutes, that's fine. Um, if it's your, you know, bog standard $300 
corporate narration or, or explainer video, um, if you're taking much more than 10 minutes on one of those, you're costing yourself opportunity to do to do others and to be heard by somebody right. who might be looking for steak. Yep. Yeah, this, I mean, you pretty much answered my next question, which was going to be, what sort of approach do you recommend taking to auditioning? You can sort of be on one end of the scale where you audition for everything that's, you know, in the sphere of your skill set. If it's a perfect match or if it's just close, you audition. Or you can go the total opposite direction and you're super selective. And this, I, the job description has to be talking about me specifically. Otherwise, I'm not auditioning. Do you, so it's it sounds like you sort of lean towards pretty much everything that's a realistic, semi-realistic possibility you're going to audition for. Is that something that you'd recommend? I, I, w- I mean, I, I would I would kind of split the split the difference a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You don't want to take a, such a scattershot approach that you're wasting your time. Um, right. So, you know, know what you can do and know what... Know yourself. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, look, I mean, I know if I see, if, if I see any two of the following words in a spec, urban, millennial, hip, yeah, youthful. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Any, any two of those, uh, I will, uh, I will probably pass. Um, you right. know, know who you are. If you, if you, if you sound 18 to 25 and you see, you know, epic, powerful, authoritative movie trailer, um, you know, some of the, uh, the keywords that they're giving you, then, then, then that's probably not for you. But, um, yeah. so, so don't go scattershot. On the other hand, if you're just dialing in on perfect fits, um, Unless you have a very, very specific sound where that's really going to be appropriate, um, yeah, that's a good point. You're, you're probably uh, leaving some money on the table. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because I've been surprised sometimes—not uh, sometimes, many times—by uh, you know auditions that I've done where I've thought, yeah, okay, you know, I'll take a shot at it. Uh, it's not obviously something that's perfect for me, but it's also not like for me. My keywords, like when I see James Earl Jones, Morgan Freeman references, right. those I pass on because that's just—it's just not me. But, um, you know, there's those balancing actors, those middle ground ones. And uh, yeah, plenty of times I've auditioned and then you get the job and it's like, oh, wow. All right, great. And then you find out it's also because when somebody posts a job and they, you know, they put some descriptive adjectives or they start to write it, you get an idea in your head when you read that of what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. But it might not be 100 percent, you know, what they're looking. It's sometimes hard to gauge exactly what somebody means when they describe something or say something a certain way. So if you feel like, you know, yeah, this is a possibility. I think then it's, you know, a good idea to take a shot at it. Um, again, keeping in mind that you're not going to take an hour shot at it or a half hour shot at it. You know, you're going to spend an appropriate amount of time to get the audition in and, you know, move on to the next thing. Yeah, I agree. Um, but yeah, then we also, my final question for you, we also sort of touched on um, briefly. Uh, speed of submitting an audition is something that me personally, I've sort of gone back and forth on. And I've, uh, you know, as these voices.com, other big casting sites have changed the way they work. You know, they've, I think speed of auditioning has sort of changed in its effectiveness over time. In the current landscape, in the current way that these sites work, do you still think that getting an audition in quickly plays a big role in your success and in landing a job? It plays a role. Um, okay. And, and I, I do think it is uh, one of the elements that is important. The re- the reason for this, there is a, um, a phenomenon in casting. And again, I sit on that side of the glass with some frequency. In fact, I'm usually casting at least a job or two a week for my own clients. Um, and there's absolutely a bias in favor of quality auditions that are heard earlier. Um, it's a 
psychological thing. And basically the reason for that is, let's use an online casting site as, as an example. If I'm on Voice 123 and mm-hmm. there are 80 auditions, okay, and most people don't listen to the auditions as they're coming in, um, but if they are, then that's even more of a compelling reason for you to be as early as you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if it's a normal buyer who's going to wait until 2030, maybe till all the 50 or 60 or 70 they want show up before they start listening, we tend to go down the list just top to bottom, okay? Unless we are spe- unless we know people and we're specifically looking for people, usually we're going to go down just in the way that they're presented. And on uh, it's interesting between the sites, on Voice123, they are presented strictly in the order they come in. Um, on Voices.com, they're presented in order of the voice match score uh, and, and then in the order that they come in based on voice match. Uh, right. And then on Badalgo, they're actually presented in reverse order that they come in. So the most recent submission is at the top. So on Vidalgo, if a client is uh, taking them all in one chunk, um, the guy who came in first is going to be last. And so the advantage is, is obviated there. So on Vidalgo, it matters a little bit less. It's a bit more of a crapshoot as to where you're heard, depending on whether or not that client's listen, listening to everything that comes in. But on the, on the other two sites, um, it is often just in the order that that you appear, uh, and so if I'm going down the list on voice one, two, three, and I get to you know the fifth, sixth, seventh audition, and I hear somebody I like. Well, it doesn't mean that person's going to book the job, but what it means is that they then become the benchmark against whom I compare everybody else. And, you know, if you're number 65, by the time I get to number 65, I've probably heard five auditions I like. And at that point, you have to be not just as good as, but you've got to be better than all of those five if you want to book. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you had given me the very same read and you had been the first person I liked, you might have booked with the same read at number five that you didn't book book with at number 65 because nobody beat you out. Whereas at 65, you didn't beat out the person who was my benchmark, even though you might've been just as good. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's definitely true. And I, I've seen this, I, I've seen this actually happen live outside of online casting. Um, back at the Midwest voiceover conference, when that was still going on a couple of years ago, I was casting a job there. Um, it was for Volkswagen or BMW, one of the car companies, e-learning. And we lined up all of the female talent on one side of the room and all of the male talent on the other side of the room. I didn't judge because I had a lot of my students there. So I recused myself and had some of the other presenters judge. Uh, but in the male case, it was the very first person who read that, that got it. The female case, I think it was like the fourth person, um, uh, out of 30 or so on each side. So that, yeah. that bias is real. Getting in early is an advantage. Yeah, no, I agree. I've also cast some projects on voices.com and I know that, um, there is the option to sort of change the sort order, you know, in terms of how, how they're presented top to bottom. But I think honestly, most clients who go on there either won't be aware of that or just won't do that. They'll just look at it how it is which right. by default is that voice match score and then um people you know, are lazy yeah <laughs> yeah and i mean it's you know if they have a list of talent in front of them it's why do they care really to change the sort order it's like here's the people who auditioned i'm gonna listen to them there mm-hmm. they are they're in front of me so yeah so okay so that's that's good to know because I've, I've sort of flip-flopped on um just me personally in in terms of thinking well you know should i just save these and do them all at the end of the day or should i really you know if it's a great audition should i sort of get on this right now and um, I have started to lean towards the side of, yeah, I think it is, it's definitely a benefit to be really as quick as possible. Obviously not sacrifice well, it, quality, you know, but at, at this yeah. point, even, even when I'm working throughout my day, I've got my inbox open and mm-hmm. whether it's agents or production companies whose rosters I'm on or online casting sites, when an audition comes in, 
I just, unless I'm actually in a session, uh, I take a brief look and just look at the number. And if it's a number that's interesting to me, I will stop what I'm doing and I will go ahead and do that audition uh, just so I can be the first person in if I have the time to do that at that moment. So yeah. I'm, I'm always watching them. Yeah, Sam, I keep, yep, got my inbox open. I got the alerts on my phone, so I'll hear that little chime go off. Unless I'm recording, obviously, then I'll put it on silent. But, but, uh, right. but uh, yeah, all right, that's, that's all really great info. Thank you so much for that. Um, so before we jump into our audience questions, I just want to talk a little bit about what you have coming up. So you have an upcoming live workshop tour, and uh, you're going to be hitting four different cities. So you're going to first be in Washington, D.C. on October the 20th, then Los Angeles on October the 23rd. Boston on October 30th, and Miami on November the 1st. Uh, so can you just talk a little bit about what that workshop is going to be like, what kind of stuff you're going to go over, uh, you know, what kind of talent it's for, a little bit, uh, just, you know, give us a little overview of it. Well, the, these, the workshop content is going to be the same in all four locations. Um, mm -hmm. This is building upon a workshop I did in Las Vegas uh, back in June this year, um, which, which was an absolute blast. And uh, we're going to focus on being real. We're going to focus on being authentic, on being conversational, on building characters for commercial reads. We may throw a little e-learning in there as well. Um, we're going to teach everybody how to act a little bit more and to be more of a voice actor uh, as opposed to uh, to a voiceover. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there's so many talent these days who struggle with connecting with copy and bringing it to life. And one of the things I've really come to specialize in as a coach over the years is uh, developing methods for creating characters for each piece of copy that you get. I, I'm, I, I'm a psychiatrist's nightmare of a hundred different characters living in my head at any given time. I can go in here and pluck, you know, Bill the retired cop or Joe the plumber or Steve the guy behind the counter at McDonald's, whatever it may be, um, and, and inhabit that person's soul for 30 seconds or 60 seconds as I deliver a piece of copy and completely forget that I'm J. Michael Collins. I, I, in fact, that's one of the lines I use often when I coach is I tell people, I've never done a read as J. Michael Collins. Um, <laughs> when I'm doing a read, I'm, I'm anybody but me because if you're you, then you're just a voiceover person. And nobody wants to hear just a voiceover person. They want to hear somebody that they connect with, somebody that they identify with, and somebody who, who they relate to. Um, so that's what we're going to do. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. We're doing these at uh, some absolutely top hotels um, in these different locations. Um, it's going to be... Uh, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. in each location, and we'll break for lunch at noon, and uh, lunch is fully catered and, and included, uh, and then from 1 to 4 we continue. Um, I'm planning to bring some special guests. Uh, in Vegas, Randy Thomas joined us to talk about uh, imaging and live announce and her career and just answer any questions, especially about the union side of things and, and agency work, and she came from 4 to 5, and uh, then people who want to join for dinner will go out and have dinner afterwards. So, uh, uh, we'll nice. see who the we'll see who the special guests are, and uh, if anybody uh, is listening who knows me well, they know I I can find a good restaurant, and uh, it will be an enjoyable experience. <laughs> awesome! And if people uh, want to get some more info or sign up, where can they go to get all that? They can they, you can contact me directly at jmichael at jmcvoiceover.com, uh, or you can call two zero two seven three eight one one five one. 
Awesome. And then, um, as you mentioned, you're also a coach and you do some demo production. How do you do that? Do you do coaching in person? Do you do it over Skype? Both? What's the uh, situation for that? Well, as most people know, I'm in Luxembourg most of the time uh, these days. So I don't get to do as much coaching in person as I would like, which is one of the reasons I'm doing the workshops, because I really do just love mm-hmm. being in the room with folks and being able to uh, to, to connect live. But, you know, we live in the, the era of uh, easy, free video conferencing, which is a, yep. a miracle <laughs> for uh, coaching. And so I, I like I like Zoom in particular is my favorite, which uh, is one of the ways that we're recording this now. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, so I do video coaching over Zoom. Uh, and uh, really, I, I coach just about every topic out there except for um, animation and video games. And also, I don't focus on audiobooks very much, but anything else gotcha. is fair game. Um, demo production is something that uh, has become a big part of my business over the past few years, in particular. Uh, um, we were really thrilled last year, myself and the, I've got a production team behind me uh, that uh, audio engineering masters who just do absolutely incredible work once we get the, the direction and the scripting done and we get the reads done, uh, then then I go to work with my team and, and we're producing stuff right now that I think is uh, some of the best that's out there. Last year, we uh, were very honored to win the Voice Arts Award for Best Narration Demo uh, for Susan Bernard and her TV narration demo. Oh, wow. And, uh, Congrats. We're, we're, we're crossing our fingers for more this year, so we'll see. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, that's great. Well, yeah, so let's jump into uh, our audience questions for this week. So our first question will be a performance question, and this week's question comes from Tim, and Tim asks, what kind of script preparation should I do before recording an audition or project? How many times should I read it? What kind of notes or markings should I make? What research should I do, et cetera? And how long should be spent on each audition? Yeah, it's a great question. We touched a little bit on this, but uh, yeah, I'll let you take it. No, it's a, it's a really good question, and I think again it goes back to the the answer of it depends. Um, it depends what the job is and how much time you're going to take on it. So mm-hmm. if we if we address it, you know, vis a vis the the uh, methods that we talked about earlier. Um, you know, if it's that agency audition for a big national campaign, take your time. Uh, and the, you know, in terms of script preparation. Review the script uh, meticulously. Mark it up in the places where you think you need to be breathing, the places where you want to put emphasis, um, you know, places where you, where you may want to take chances. And I, I by the way, that's something that I, I don't think gets talked about quite enough is the importance of, especially in commercial auditions these days, uh, taking chances. Um, if you are auditioning for a sophisticated creative, by which I mean uh, a casting director, an agent, a, a production company, an ad agency, a buyer who is in this business on a daily basis and who's mm-hmm. making hiring decisions in voiceover, um, ad-libbing, taking some risks, going a little outside the box. Okay, do two. if you want to do a vanilla take, then do two takes, okay? Uh, but um, doing something unexpected, I can't tell you how often I'm hiring for commercial work and the person who I wind up booking or recommending to the client um, is the person who is just a little crazy. <laughs> and it's it's because I know that even if they go a little too far, um, I can probably bring them back to where I want them right. to be. Whereas yeah. the person who doesn't go there, sometimes I wonder if I can get them there. Yeah, um, so make those notes and look for something in the script that's that that you w- really want to take a risk on. And again, like I said, if you're not sure, maybe do two takes and give them one that you think is out of the VO Academy textbook. Um, but give them one that's mm-hmm. interesting as well. Um, yeah. In terms of research. Search really, you know, if there's a product name that you don't know how to pronounce, if there's uh, 
a uh, a word that you're not familiar with or that you don't know how to pronounce individual names unless it's somebody prominent that you're not sure of. Um, in fact, speaking of demos, we, we do political demos and we've been putting Kamala Harris spots on demos recently because she's somebody who's probably going to have a fairly ascendant political career in the next few years and it's going to stay relevant. And that's a name that I remember the first time I did that, I, I had to look up, uh, you know, was it Kamala? Was it Kamala? How do I say yeah, this? Yeah. So, you know, make sure you get it right. Um, so if you're not sure, get it right. But, you know, if it's, um, if it's a, again, if it's a very bizarre name or something that's not someone prominent, uh, the client should give you a pronunciation guide on that. If it's lots and lots of very difficult terminology, especially if you're getting into um, something that an educated layman wouldn't understand if you're doing e-learning or something like that, um, mm-hmm. go ahead and do your best. I wouldn't spend an hour researching that. And again, a good client should give you a pronunciation guide. Um, right. But but it's it's on a job to job basis for big jobs. You know, really do your due diligence for those three hundred dollar online casting jobs that are going to be a one off. Um, do the best you can, but don't obsess. Yeah, and do you have sort of uh, like benchmarks in terms of how much time you spend for something like one of those quick, you know, online casting jobs, and then something like you know a more in depth, really great agency job? Yeah, with the online stuff, I'm not going to waste more than five minutes. Um, okay, you know, and, and I mean, okay, That's what there, I was there, too. there are jobs from online casting sites that are worth spending more than five minutes on. Right. Um, but again, for for that for that boilerplate three hundred dollar one off job, um, that's going to be five minutes uh, or less. Um, you know, again, for the big national campaign from an agency, I, I, look, I've been doing this for a while, uh, and uh, and my time is probably going to be less than the average bear on that. Um, but I I might take eight to ten minutes on something like that. Uh, which will be roughly double what I do on on a average online casting audition. As I just, you know, we'll probably do two or three takes. We'll um, be very careful to uh, to make sure I'm comfortable with the reads that I'm sending in. Because it, look, there, if you're doing agency work, um, you know, when when you're getting into the big league stuff, uh, the competition is really fierce for those yeah. jobs, especially if yeah. it's going out to a lot of different agents. Um, and so you have to be that one person that just rises above the rest. Uh, so take your time and. Make Make sure you do it right. Yeah. And it's definitely, I mean, I think it's a good point just to reiterate that uh, it really is dependent on the situation, um, you know, how, how big of a job this is. And I mean, I've heard varying uh, opinions. I agree with you in terms of the, the uh, you know, times that you put out, um, but I've heard varying opinions of people even saying sometimes spend a half an hour on audition. And to me, that's, you know, I think that's, that's almost a bit extreme, but like, yeah, if it's a really, really great job from an agency and, um, you know, it's something that you really feel is a good fit for you and you could really nail it, um, then yeah, you know, spend the time and you could do some research even. Um, sometimes what I'll do is if the direction I feel is a little lacking, I might go on YouTube and try to find some other commercials in this campaign or just some other recent spots from that company, just sort of get a feel for the tone and the vibe and stuff like that. And, you know, if you start doing that kind of stuff and you reread the script a few times and you record a different takes, then you edit it. Yeah, I could see it getting maybe 20, 30 minutes at that point. But um, I, I mean, yeah. I, I would throw out there that if you're taking 30 minutes or much longer to do auditions, some more coaching is probably in order and also yeah, some, more, some more confidence building is probably in order. You need to be able to make a decision and stick with it because, you know, when you get into uh, a session, um, the client's going to direct you and they're going to move you in, in, into different places. But you've got to project confidence in your reads. Yep. There's nothing worse than being in a session and seeming hesitant or unsure of yourself because we're we're doing such a an esoteric job here that we're charging a lot of money for that the moment that you give away your agency or your authority in the booth if you're being live directed you're you're dead meat because all of a sudden that client's not going to respect your value anymore yeah yeah good point 
Um, yeah. So, so there you go, Tim. I think that's a pretty good overview and uh, answer to your question. So let's move on to our audio question. So our audio question comes from Marie and she asks, should I be delivering just the raw audio or should I be doing some sort of post-processing before delivering an audition or a project? So what's your take on that? That's that's uh, that, that's a broad broader question than it looks like actually. Um, in a in a perfect world, you should be delivering just the raw audio. Um, you know, uh, obviously accounting for mouth noise, uh, editing any mouth noise that's that's mm-hmm. really prevalent. Um, maybe reducing breaths a little bit if they're particularly uh, obtrusive. Although you don't want to cut all the breaths out because then it doesn't sound natural. Yeah. So the, there's a, a judgment involved in that process. Um, but in an ideal world, if your studio is uh, is well treated, um, or your space is well treated, if your gear is is up to par, um, your raw audio should be good. Enough. Um, that being said, uh, from the do as I say, not as I do department, I do add a little EQ and a little compression, um, but I know what I'm doing. And uh, my sincere advice is that if you are not a qualified audio engineer, if you don't know exactly what you're doing when you're adding post-processing, um, then don't. Just yep. go ahead and send it as is. If you want to split the difference on that, um, get with one of the tech, tech experts out there. Uh, there are a lot of them. Um, have them build you a stack of, of effects and processing based upon what your raw audio sounds like that, that they think is going to be appropriate for auditions. That's a service a lot of them provide. I'm not going to throw names out there because I'll forget somebody and somebody will get mad at <laughs> me. Uh, but uh, that's that's another step, that another road that you can go down is getting an effect stack built for you um, by someone who knows how to do that. That. Um, but you know, ideally, your your raw audio should be good enough that with just a little bit of editing, uh, that 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 should work. Yeah, agree. And that's a you know that's a good point. Just to reiterate again, is unless you really know what you're doing, or you had uh, you know a chain set up by somebody who does, it's definitely possible to do more harm than good if you start you know playing around with all that EQ compression yeah. and you know even beyond that. So um, yeah, I mean the focus really should be on on your raw audio, your space that you're recording in, your setup, uh, your chain and your mic technique and, uh, you know, try to get everything good at the source. And if that's the case, then yeah, it really, it shouldn't, you shouldn't need uh, much more. And as you progress and stuff, you know, if you want to take some time and learn a little bit about, you know, engineering and just add that to your skill set, you know, it's a great way to just advance and, you know, take your audio and your voiceover career further. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So moving on to our business question, Uh, our business question comes from Bill and he asks, I'm always seeking additional help with marketing. Is there a system or format that you recommend? What are some good practices for staying in touch with clients and prospects? So yeah, that's a good one. What's your take on that one? There's, you know, there's all kinds of advice on this out there. I'll tell you what I do, and then I'll tell you what, um, you know, what I found some of my students have found effective over the years as well. Um I'm fortunate to be in a position where I don't have to do a lot of, of actual cold marketing these days. Um, if I if I were doing more of it, I would really be heavily focusing on making contacts with production companies and then secondarily ad agencies. Um, the third pillar of that might be cold calling actual potential clients. That's going to be low return. Um, but if you do get somebody who bites on a cold call, uh, then they're likely to become a, a loyal client for you. Mm-hmm. Um that being said, you know, production companies and ad agencies, uh, unlike talent agents, they don't typically have um, contact information for voice talent on their pages saying, if you'd like to be on our roster, please submit. Right. Um, a few do, but most of them don't. Yeah, I've seen so, a couple, but not many. Yeah. 
Yeah, but that's the minority. So yeah. you're you're going to want to uh, number one, if you can get on their website, if they happen to post email addresses of of contacts at the company, um, trying to intuit which one of them might be uh, the person responsible for hiring talent based upon whatever titles mm-hmm. uh, that they've listed. If you see anything that says casting, jump on that. Yep. <laughs> um, but uh, and and usually things that have production in the title. Executive producer is uh, a good one. Creative yeah, director exactly, is a good one. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so. You know, try and intuit who the person to contact is at that company. Um, a cold email submission is a good place to start, uh, and uh, it should be short but sweet. Um, you know, the, the, uh, I'm a professional talent, uh, I'm a professional voice actor. Um, some of my credits include, and I like recent credits. So if I'm pitching a, a production company or an editor or even a talent agent, um, one of the things that I always like to do is say, uh, you know, I know that this is a what have you done for me lately business. Um, so my credits in the last quarter include, and then I'll list as many big names as I possibly yeah, can on there tip. as long as I'm not under NDA. Uh, so, yeah, you know, again, recent credits, if you've got them, if you can't go recent, then just say my credits include and give them as many as you've got. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you're interested in further discussion, uh, my demos are attached for your consideration. Um, you, you, I don't want to oversaturate a production company or ad agency with demos when I first send that email. So, I'll, I'll attach a few to the email. I'll also put a link. I mean, I've got the voice Sam link on my, uh, my email signature. So I say you can also click on any of the buttons below my signature to, uh, to listen to that particular demo, but I'll attach my primary primary one. So maybe a commercial, either promo or TV narration. And, uh, and then one of my narration demos, um, when I do a submission to them, maybe I'll put a zip file in there with all of the rest of them. If they want to listen to other things, um, don't make it complicated. Don't make it don't you know don't make it more than a, a paragraph and a half right. or two paragraphs that mm-hmm. they have to read. Short but sweet. If you're interested in further conversation, please contact me at or please reply to this message whatever it may be. Thank you for your time and consideration. Your name. Um, if that doesn't work, uh, and again, if they don't have an email address, then the contact form on on the web page is also a potential starting point. I always try and want to go with a uh, an electronic communication before I follow up with a phone call. Um, because phone calls get reacted to one of two ways. Either they're really interested and they think it's cool that a voice actor is calling them or you are a telemarketer. Yeah. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it's one That's or the true. other. Yeah. Uh, so um, because it's it's so hit and miss and when it's miss, it's a big miss. I, <laughs> I try and um, soft roll it a little bit with, with an electronic connection first. But if, if you don't get a response, uh, follow up with a phone call. Um, you know, you're liable to get Cindy in reception. Uh, and if you do, then just ask who the person is who is responsible for casting within the company. You explain who you are. And uh, again, they'll either tell you to get lost um, or they'll give you somebody's name or somebody's voicemail or connect you to somebody. At which point in any of this, the question that you really want to ask if you get somebody on the phone is, can I send you my demo? Yeah. If you get to the point where you can ask the question, can I send you my demo? Most of the time they're going to say yes. And and once you have the demo in their hands, um, it often gets a listen. If it's a good demo, uh, you're going to have a pretty good chance of getting on their roster. A cool thing with production companies and ad agencies is um, if they're casting in-house, those uh, those particular kinds of companies are usually casting off of a relatively small roster. Um, to give you guys an idea of what I mean, you know, if I my booking ratio with agents is about 2%. 
Okay. That's actually not a bad booking ratio with yeah. agents. It's about 2%. Um, my booking ratio with online casting is 7 to 10% on a given week. My booking ratio with production companies and ad agencies is about 25%. And the reason is that if I get an audition from a production company or an ad agency, I'm usually only going up against five or six other talent that that fit that spec. And maybe they don't all fit it as well as I do um, because they've curated a list of people that they want to work with. So um, while it takes a little more legwork to get on those rosters, it's a good place to be. Um, I will tell you what I, a couple of tricks that I do use on a regular basis, which I like to think don't smell as much like marketing or at least create such a positive uh, impression and impact that, uh, that it's, it's very positive marketing. Um, one is uh, I travel with some frequency. And so every month I will send out a travel advisory to my entire client list for the following month, letting them know the days that I'm not going to be available and asking them to submit uh, any projects that they've got of X length by such a day or of Y length by an earlier day in order to avoid disappointment so that I can get that to them before I, I go. Um I, I tend not to travel with a travel rig unless I'm gone for, for a week or longer uh, because my I, I tried to bring my rig to my honeymoon, and that was almost the shortest marriage that you've ever seen. <laughs> um, so it, it, since then, I've been a little bit more attuned to quality of life when I travel. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, so I tell my clients when I'm not going to be available. Um, what that does, though, it looks like I'm doing a favor for them. It doesn't look like I'm marketing right. to them. And I am, I am telling them information on the radar. that they need. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I every time I send that email, I book three or four jobs that I would not have booked otherwise wow. because I will get a client who's been dormant for two years who will see that email and respond and say, oh, yeah, well, thanks for letting me know. But, you, you know, actually, we do have something coming up. Um, I'm, I'm glad you contacted us because we haven't thought about you in a while, yep. uh, you know, and, and would you like to do this? And every time I send that email, I book three or four jobs within about 48 hours, uh, off of that email. So that's, that's been pretty effective. Um, the other thing that I do is I take care of my clients. And what I mean by that is, uh, I do it for new years cause I want to be politically correct and, uh, <laughs> and look at everybody's sensibilities. So the, the first of the year, um, everybody who's hired me over the year gets a call, gets a handwritten card, regardless of uh, how much they've spent. Um, if they've spent a thousand dollars or more, they're going to get a $50 Godiva gift basket. If they've spent $5,000 or more, that Godiva gift basket then includes a bottle of champagne and, and a few other little accoutrements. Nice. And that's probably about a, a $250 item. Um, if they've spent 10,000 or more, then I start throwing an Ocetra caviar and it's Dom Perignon or Krug instead of Moet. <laughs> um, and that's, that's a five or a $600 gift basket. Uh, the reason that I do this and I budget money for this, um, every year. And the, the region, the reason that I do this is because if, if it's Linda in HR, who's casting me, okay, most of the people hiring you do not hire you for themselves. They're hiring you with somebody else's money. Okay. And Linda in HR, when March comes around and the boss comes down and says, Hey, uh, why don't we go with a female voice this year? Or we're getting kind of tired of that Collins guy. How about, how about somebody younger? She's going to remember that champagne and chocolate. And she's going <laughs> to say, well, we're pretty happy with him. He's reliable. Why don't we stick with him for another year? Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, fr it's something, you know, if you go to a hotel and the, they give you a big suite and you've booked a normal room. 
you remember that. If you fly on an airline and you bought a coach ticket and they upgrade you to first class and give you a glass of champagne, you remember that. You want to fly that airline yeah. again. You want to you want to be in that hotel again. It's good customer this is service. no different. Yeah. Good. It's not just good customer service, but treat your customers um, the way that you would want to be treated uh, in a similar situation. And not just that. Uh, th- there's a word that they use in the service industry to describe this. You don't just want to satisfy your customers. You want to delight them. If you delight a customer, they won't forget it. Yeah, it's true. I live uh, I live in New York, so there's a million pizza places, and there's this one that I've been going to for like four or five years. And when I go there, the guy gives me a free slice, like pretty much every time I go there. So even though I have a choice of over a hundred pizza places I can go to, where do you think I go every single time and go back to the same place? Yep. Um, yeah, it's good business. It's and it makes sense. And it's you know you could think of it as marketing. And it's yeah, it's just it's a, you got to stay on people's radar. You got to stay you know keep that good relationship going, especially once you establish it, um, you know, repeat work and long-term client relationships. That's the name of the game. Absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. That's uh, that's all really, really great stuff. So yeah, let's move on now to our mock auditions for this week. So uh, this week's audition was for Morning Delight Coffee, which was sort of an upbeat, uh, you know, fun, friendly, sort of, you know, boilerplate commercial. Um, And so what we're going to do is we're going to play the audition from our winner and also from a runner up. And then me and Jay Michael will both sort of comment on what we liked and didn't like about them. And then also I'll play you uh, a finished produced version of this so you can hear what these auditions would sound like in the context of a finished spot. And uh, if anybody wants to sort of, you know, use this for practice, the actual music bed and the sound effects will be available in the show notes so you can actually download it. Throw your own audition on top of it if you were somebody who submitted, or if you didn't, the script will be there. Feel free to, you know, take a stab at it and, uh, yeah, see how you stack up. So our winning audition for this week comes from Peter Stern, and I'll let you take a listen to Peter's audition, and then you'll hear what me and Jay and Michael have to say about it. So without further ado, here's the winning audition for Morning Delight Coffee, and this is from Peter Stern. Mornings don't have to be a struggle against the alarm clock. When you have the smooth, rich and delicious taste of Morning Delight coffee waiting for you to get out of bed, you'll be up and at them in no time. Made with 100% organic Colombian-grown coffee beans, Morning Delight will put you well on your way to ensuring that not only your morning, but your entire day is delightful. Morning Delight coffee. Available at a grocer near you. Cool. Um, Yeah, so J. Michael, you want to take the first shot at this? Yeah, well, my first reaction is it's not fair when there's a British guy in there. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about that. I agree. What a, there's something remember I talked about, about the old days, how, how we would go in and actually audition in person. And yeah. if, if they were considering British talent, if I walked into a room and there were British guys in there, I'd leave. <laughs> <laughs> because they're, if, if you're considering British, you're going to go with British because it's yeah. just, as an American, it just sounds like such a lovely, sophisticated, intelligent accent. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, yeah, you got an advantage there. Um, yeah. but no, it, it was, it was a good read. Um, I, I think that it, it was an interesting read in that it combined elements of a smile while still um, somehow retaining a little bit of, of a reserved authority and and uh, um, so, so there was a credibility to it that was distinct. Again, maybe it's the British thing a little bit, but yeah. it, 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 it had the smile on it. It was a technically very good read. The, um, the emphasis and the inflection were in the right place. Um, it, it was... You know, I, I think it was a, a by the book, comfortable textbook quality VO yeah, yeah. read. Um, 
again, it, now if I'm if I'm in a uh, you know if, if if this is fifty people I'm listening to, um, Peter, could you have done something a little more fun somewhere? Maybe, um, but it's a solid read, and I, I I'm I'm certainly uh, in uh, agreement with Michael that uh, that this was the best of the bunch. Yeah, I agree with all those points. Um, yeah, there's nice energy in it. Uh, you know, without being too too flat, you know, a little too uh, casual. Um, you know, it, it, he didn't let it get boring or monotonous, which I liked. Um, I agree with you. There maybe was some spots where, like we were talking about before, he maybe could have took some risks or, you know, tried tried something a little bit different. Um, it was kind of by the books, but um, yeah, but it worked. And, uh, and I liked it as well. I thought he also had some nice finality on that uh, tagline. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't sort of, sometimes you might hear a tagline that sounds like, Oh, is that the end or is there more to come? He, uh, you know, he wrapped it up and it sounded, you, you felt that, you know, we were at the end when, when he read that line, which I liked as well. Absolutely. But, um, great. Yeah. So that was a great read, Peter. And, uh, we'll show you the, uh, final, uh, produced version in a second. But before we do that, let's just take a listen to our runner up, which was Debbie Feldman. Mornings don't have to be a struggle against the alarm clock. When you have the smooth, rich, and delicious taste of morning delight coffee waiting for you to get out of bed, you'll be up and at them in no time. Made with 100% organic Colombian-grown coffee beans, Morning Delight will put you well on your way to ensuring that not only your morning, but your entire day is delightful. Morning Delight Coffee, available at a grocer near you. Yes, what are your thoughts on this one? Um, again, I think I think it's a safe read. I think it's a textbook read in many yeah. cases, and and you know th- there's something to be said for that. We're doing things here that um, that you're taught to do, and that uh, that that kind of check all of the boxes uh, in terms of of again the, the voiceover academy list of am I doing it right? <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, th- that I like. Um, uh, smile, some sunshine on the read, which is good. Um, maybe wavered a little bit in places on that, uh, but for the most part, it was a positive read. Um, one or two inflections could have been placed a little bit better, especially towards the end. If I listen again to... To ensuring that not only your morning, but your entire day is delightful. Maybe a little bit too much of a rise on that line into your entire day is delightful coming up. Uh, mm-hmm. I, the entire day to me would have been the focus of that line as opposed to delightful. Um, earlier in the read, uh, the word hundred was a bit under enunciated. I picked up on that to where it sounded more like a hundred as opposed to hundred. Um, yeah. It's a little bit of a pet peeve of mine because even if you <laughs> uh, get into a more casual read, hundred um, just, just sounds under enunciated. It sounds uh, a little lazy mouth, but um, on the whole, it's a good, bright read. It's a, you know, um, I always like to slot reads that I hear into where would, where do they go into the marketplace? And this is a read that in, you know, in a major union setting with a big agent might not quite get there on uh, online casting for a decent job. Um could be competitive if if nobody um, put everything together and and again maybe did something a little outside the box to bring some more life to it. It's a competitive read in a vacuum um, with the possibility to improve a little bit, but it, but it's a very good effort. Yeah, yeah, no, that's yeah, that's a great way to put it. Competitive read in a vacuum. Um, I would have yeah, I would have liked you know maybe a little bit more energy and emotion in it. Um, like it, like you said, the inflection at parts or the smile was there, but at parts, it kind of, we lost it a little bit. So it kind of came, went away, came, went away. So um, yeah, I think I would have liked to hear just a little bit more, you know, of that throughout the case. 
audio wise, uh, yeah, like it's it's competitive. It wasn't bad. I maybe maybe I nitpick on this kind of stuff, but I think I would have liked it to be a little bit tighter and more upfront sounding. Um, there was a bit of maybe roominess or hollowness. There, kind there of was, to it. but again, there was, nothing. There was a little echo in there. Um, yeah, yeah, and that's that is something you know. I wasn't going too much into the the audio quality of these reads, but mm-hmm. um, Debbie, that is something that um, it's worth looking at. It's it's yeah. definitely worth looking at. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And then the final line, um, sort of like I had mentioned uh, with Peter's audition, he had some nice finality on it and wrapped it up. Um, hers, I felt like could have used a little bit more of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that you know, available at a grocer near you. I feel like we could have really hit that a little bit stronger as the end. Um, I almost kind of felt with hers, like there, maybe there's still something coming or, you know, are we caught at the end yet? But, um, you know, close, just close taglines. Yeah. Um, yeah. Taglines, you know, it's nice to kind of really, so, you know, solidly hit that and close things out. You know, obviously, unless the client says, read it this way, read it that way, then that's what you do. But uh, yeah, but no, overall, uh, very nice read. So, uh, yeah, so now what I'll do is I'll just play for you the produced versions of these so you can sort of hear what this audition would sound like in the context of a final spot if this was really used in a project with music, sound effects. And uh, this is a great way to sort of really hear if you hit the tone of something, if you if you got enough energy or if you're too flat, if you're too much energy. Um, it's nice to sort of put things into context um, as opposed to just listening to a plain voice read on its own. So uh, what I'll do for you now is play Peter's read and play Debbie's read so you can hear them in context. Mornings don't have to be a struggle against the alarm clock. When you have the smooth, rich and delicious taste of morning delight coffee waiting for you to get out of bed, you'll be up and at them in no time. Made with 100% organic Colombian-grown coffee beans, Morning Delight will put you well on your way to ensuring that not only your morning, but your entire day is delightful. Morning Delight Coffee. Available at a grocer near you. Mornings don't have to be a struggle against the alarm clock. When you have the smooth, rich, and delicious taste of Morning Delight Coffee waiting for you to get out of bed, you'll be up and at them in no time. Made with 100% organic Colombian-grown coffee beans, Morning Delight will put you well on your way to ensuring that not only your morning, but your entire day is delightful. Morning Delight Coffee. Available at a grocer near you. So yeah, so there you go. So there are Peter and Debbie's reads, uh, both in a fully produced version. So that is going to close things out for this episode of the VoiceOver Roadmap podcast. I want to give a huge thank you to our guest co-host today, J. Michael Collins. Um, just really a ton of great value, ton of great information. Uh, J. Michael, is there anything else that you would like to mention? Um, you know, anything you'd like to share with people about anything you have coming up or just any other tips or just anything you want to say to close things out? Oh, I hate to beat my chest and promote stuff. So if you're interested in coaching or demos or my workshops, visit my website, jmcvoiceover.com. Other than that, uh, thanks for being here. Michael, thank you for being a uh, fantastic host. And uh, to all of you who submitted auditions, thanks for taking the time. It was a pleasure to listen. And uh, congrats to Peter and uh, Debbie as as the runner-up. Good job. Awesome. Well, thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, links to everything will be in the show notes. Uh, You'll have links there to find all of J. Michael's information, uh, his website and everything will be there as well. So yeah, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And again, yes, congratulations to Peter and Debbie. And thank you to everybody else who submitted an audition as well. Really appreciate it. So that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much again, J. Michael. And we will talk to you soon. Bye, everybody.
All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and uh, for tuning into this episode. And again, thank you so much to Jay Michael for providing just so much great information on the show. If you would like more information about the upcoming workshop tour that J. Michael is doing or his coaching or demo production services, links to all of that can be found in the show notes at voiceoverroadmap.com slash 002. So head on over there, check that stuff out. And again, if you'd like to submit a question for a future episode of the show, you can do that at voiceoverroadmap.com slash questions. And if you like this episode and you like the show, please go ahead and subscribe and review it on iTunes. That'd be really great and uh, go a long way to getting the show out there. You can also check out the show on YouTube or just on the Voice Over Roadmap website. Thanks so much again for listening. Really hope you enjoyed this episode. And uh, yeah, I'll see you soon in episode three.